So I'm much more confident in St. Mary's ability to make it to a Sweet 16 than I am in Gonzaga's. Um, just because I feel like even even if you look at if you look at the projected four seeds right now, it's it's Iowa State, UConn, Marquette, and Gonzaga. Um, I don't feel like any of those four and Gonzaga wouldn't be in their region. I don't feel like any of the other three teams of St. Mary's were a five and and those were the one of those were the four seeds um, is really in a position where they're going to overwhelm the Gales. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. I'm Zach Farmer. Uh, we had another really interesting week uh, in the WCC. Um, we're going to get to everything that happened. We'll talk about Gonzaga BYU. We'll get into LMU's win over St. Mary's. Uh, we'll also get into a little bit about the about the absolute mess that is still the middle of this conference. Uh, it does feel like every the last few weeks we've talked about, oh, we might get some clarity. I still don't know if we do, and we're we only have two more weeks left uh, before the start of the WCC tournament in Las Vegas. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about um, in depth about the, the same race offense. I mean, I've talked, we've talked about at least a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, how like the offense has not been kind of where it had been earlier on this season. And there's definitely the numbers to back it up. So we'll, we'll, I'll dive into that a little bit more. Uh, Connor Hope uh, from, from Heat Tech College Basketball will be checking in uh, with us to kind of go over big picture what we should expect to see from both Gonzaga and St. Mary's moving forward. And then also who has the best shot to out of sight of those two, to maybe get to the championship game in Vegas, who has that best shot to reach uh, the title game on that Tuesday night. But we're going to start with the chaos for third place. And right now, and again, like, this has been the case for the last few weeks. We have another Monday and we have another team who is sitting in third place right now. It is Santa Clara at seven and five, but right behind them, you have LMU at seven and six Pacific at six and six BYU, who was in third a week ago, dro dropped a couple of games. And now they have slid all the way to sixth at six and seven. Then Portland and USF are tied at five and eight. And those are two teams as we, have been fairly disappointing to this point in conference play. We thought they would play better. Portland, I, you can point to their injuries. Uh, USF just has not had the same uh, level of defense that we saw a year ago. And you could definitely point to a number of reasons why, and chiefly among them being the roster itself. You have a lot of turnover, new head coach. There was a lot of things kind of, they were going to make it an uphill challenge for, for the Dons. And taking a look at these all these teams, six teams within three games in the loss column. And now you start to think about, all right, with, with so few games left, who, who has maybe the easiest road, who has tiebreakers, who has all of that. And so here's a quick breakdown of just looking at each of the, each of their schedules. All right. So we'll start it off looking at, We'll go from the bottom at five and eight and work our way up. So the two at the two at five and eight, uh, you can look at our USF and and Portland. And USF is has three games left. They're at they're at Pacific this week. This is their only game of the week. Then they are going to be 
home for Portland, and then back on the road at BYU for the WCC finale. Now, you would, and right now, we look at that USF won actually the game, their first game against BYU. They won their only game against Pacific and again, and against Portland. Uh, that was, that was a loss that they did take. So there's a little bit of a revenge thing there, but USF currently holds two tiebreakers against the teams that, uh, two of the three teams they will be playing this week. So maybe a little bit of a, a leg up for them if they end up in a tiebreaker situation with anyone. Portland has only one game this week, but they'll play on Saturday against Santa Clara. Then they are on the road for both USF and Pacific. BYU. BYU also only has three games left, and they may have the toughest of them all because this week they have both Santa Clara and their home for St. Mary's. Sorry, uh, they're home for Santa Clara, and they are at St. Mary's this week. Again, maybe the two toughest of the mat of the remaining games, and then the next week they have one game, which is the finale in Provo against USF. LMU, they have Gonzaga this week on Thursday, which this is going to be another really interesting matchup. This is the one LMU has. Oddly, not too many of the tiebreakers with the teams that they're all kind of in the mix with because they have wins against Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Two of their seven wins belong to two of the top two teams, which is not something that that anybody else in the conference can say. But that means they have to take care of business against the teams that they will potentially have tiebreakers against. And Pacific is going to be chief amongst them. They play each other on Saturday. And then they're at, then they finish off at Pepperdine. Uh, this Pepperdine team has at least been playing a little bit better. They picked, they they got off that ten game losing streak. They've won two of their last three, so you can't overlook what Pepperdine has done. Uh, Pacific, they have the full slate of four games this week. They are, they have USF in Stockton. Then they're on the road for two. They're at LMU at St. Mary's, and then they're back home for Portland to wrap it up. And Santa Clara, Santa Clara's at BYU, at Portland, home for Pepperdine, and then back on the road for San Diego. They have three of their last four on the road. And this week is going to be especially tough with BYU and Portland. Portland, again, has also been playing a little, has been playing a lot better as of late. Uh, (laughs) But man, is this going to just be absolute chaos. Like none of these teams really feel like that they're separating themselves from anyone else. Santa Clara currently has three, does hold three tiebreakers at this stage. LMU, oddly enough, only holds one tiebreaker against the against this group, and that's Portland. BYU also they hold two. They also have one against Portland, and then they hold the tiebreaker against Pacific. Pacific has only one tiebreaker, and that's being LMU. USF has oddly three. They hold tiebreakers against LMU, BYU, and Pacific right now. They'll play two, two of those teams uh, in in the next couple of weeks. And then Portland, yeah, they have two tiebreakers, Pacific, USF. And if it is, if they have to use a tiebreaker against USF, that's probably going to be for who ends up the seven or the eight seed at this stage. I mean, I mean, I want to try to look at their schedules, look at the matchups, look at the tiebreaker scenarios and think, hey, it's like some of these teams may already kind of be locked into where they are, but I, this is all still too close to be able to tell. 
again, with both USF and Portland, who are the currently the seven and eighth place teams at five and eight, there's a possibility that USF could win all three of their games. And now they're looking at eight and eight, and maybe they're going to somehow sneak into a scenario where they're going to get a buy at some point throughout the weekend. Again, and the same thing could happen to Portland. Again, they do play each other, so it won't be both of them. One of them has the shot to still be 8-8 eight and eight in conference play. Uh, but just looking at the schedules, I mean, Portland probably looks like they're more, more likely to have that happen than USF. Pacific has a – I think theirs is really tough the rest of the way. They That's a team that could end up dropping the next four in this stretch because these are just – four really tough teams, but an LMU who has the higher, who has had the higher ceiling on the teams they've beaten. I don't know if they can hold serve against the teams below them. That's been, that's kind of been one of the problems with LMU to this point. And in Santa Clara, the fact that three of their games are on the road makes it really tough. There's, this is going to be just so fascinating watching all of these teams and for me, thinking about if someone has to have the toughest road, who can sustain through Vegas if they end up dropping further into the standings? LMU just feels like they're built to be able to kind of push through uh, a gauntlet in the WCC tournament. They could be one of those lower seed. They could end up being a six seed and win a couple of games get to the semis and because they will already have beaten the two teams that are there. We already know um, St. Mary's is already locked in as a top two seed. Gonzaga just needs one more win for them to be locked in as a top two seed. That this, that LMU just seems like they have the pieces and they have the, the depth to be able to kind of combat that BYU has just been so inconsistent offensively. I don't know if I trust them. Santa Clara, They've been so incon they can be inconsistent on the defensive end and they don't always have someone to help out Pajemski and Stewart on the offensive end. Portland, if they shoot well, they're in it. Same with USF. Pacific, they have to make it ugly for them to have a chance. If you if they let teams get into a rhythm, it ends up being a long night for them. So this is This is going to be just an absolute dogfight. We knew this this was going to be the case with all these teams. We knew that this these all these teams were going to just bludgeon each other, and they have. Again, seven and five, seven and six, six and six, six and seven, five and eight, five and eight. No one has really separated themselves, and we only have a few weeks left. Those bottom two teams, whichever teams those end up being, are going to play in that opening round on Thursday. And really the goal for any of these teams is like that you don't want to have to play until Friday or Saturday. You can somehow slide into those three, those three, four slots. You're good. I think you're going to be sitting pretty with the rest of what the conference is going to have to go through. Uh, LMU does seem like they're the best fit to survive having to play more games, but 
but we'll see. Uh, long way to go. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about LMU because, again, like we talked about, like they beat St. Mary's and then they went ahead and lost to um, Santa Clara on Saturday. So we need, I want LMU almost to kind of start to get on a run here and really kind of like val not validate because I think there has been plenty of validation for what LMU has done, beating both Gonzaga and St. Mary's and BYU. The only team now to have actually beaten all three of them in the same season. And will be the only one ever to have beaten all three of them in the same season. Now with BYU uh, heading to the big 12. All right. And with that, I'm going to transition into my big three and I'll, and I'll stick there and I'll stay with, um, with LMU. Cam Shelton. Oh, jeez, Cam Shelton has, I think he is making a stronger and stronger Casey one WCC player of the uh, week this, um, this Monday. He is making a strong, strong case to be WCC player of the year. And I know a lot of times that it ends up being the totality of the season. You start to think about what happened in the non-conference and everything else. And that's a harder sell to include Cam Shelton on that. But you think about what he has been able to do in WCC play. The fact that he has wins against St. Mary's and Gonzaga, in which he was the reason the Lions won in each of those games. He is in conference play alone. He is first in scoring. He is third in assists. He is fifth in steals. Yes, he's not the most efficient scorer, but he is in crunch time in late in game scenarios. He is throwing his team on his back and carrying them to these to these victories, to these games. Like it's incredible to kind of see. Uh, what we've what we've seen from Cam Shelton to this point, and I I think we have to talk about just like that he has to be in this conversation. He has to be part of the conversation for WCC Player of the Year. I know that right now, like I've talked with a number of people, and it's still like Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy, and consistently across the board, he's the most efficient scorer in the league. He, he is still he is still the best. He may still be the best player in the league, but you're talking about importance to your team coming through when it matters most, man. And especially considering he has one more shot against Gonzaga on Thursday. If he has another stellar performance against the Zags, considering the, the roster he's on the ex expectation of what LMU was supposed to be, It's gonna. The cases, the the case is just gonna get stronger and stronger. That Cam Shelton should be, should 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 be getting some votes for WCC Player of the Year. Uh, he, I mean, that was unreal the other night against St. Mary's. I think it was like he was scoreless in the first half, and so all thirty-one of his points were in the second half and in overtime. And in overtime, he he was incredible. I mean, we talked about like about how incredible Aiden Mahaney was against Gonzaga down the stretch of that game. Cam Shelton took that to another level. Uh, and he's just so tough, can finish, 
can finish at the rim in a number of ways. It's it's really impressive to see um, what he's been able to do over the last uh, few weeks and all all conference schedule, all conference play. Like Cam Shelton just been great. And in that game against St. Mary's, there were a few things. Like St. Mary's jumped out to that sixteen to nothing lead, and I definitely thought. At that point, it's like, well, Samers is just going to roll this game. It looked like that they were just going to completely run away from them. And Samers hit one of those offensive lulls, and LMU just kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away and slowly crawled their way back into it. They are a team who is oddly equipped to really play really play a tough style against both a St. Mary's and a Gonzaga. Again, we saw this in both of these games where what's what LMU did was disrupt both teams offenses. They disrupted what Gonzaga wanted to do. They disrupted what St. Mary's wanted to do. They're a good defensive team. Like they are a solid versatile defensive team because a lot of their guys can play multiple can guard multiple positions. Uh, they are a team that does have some rim protection, which obviously helps against both of these teams. Uh, you have guys who, on both of them, who want to try to get to the rim. Having a rim protector against Drew Timmy is always helpful. Having a rim protector when you have like Logan Johnson trying to get to the bucket is always helpful. And I don't think you can say enough about how LMU and Stan Johnson has really kind of instilled just this extra level of fortitude and confidence that this team has. And because you see just like how, how unrattled it seems that they are in close games down the stretch. They could have very easily let the Gonzaga game get away from them in front of the kennel at the kennel club and have all of that really impact how they played and getting too excited and everything else. And they were just poised. Something Cam Shelton brought up a few weeks back, how poised they were. They had to have poise against St. Mary's uh, the other night. They had to have poise to climb back into that. And then also in front of their own crowd, not to get too, too excited and too uh, overhyped. It could have been very easy to start to start to do a little too much against that St. Mary's team. And you cannot make mistakes against that St. Mary's team, this St. Mary's team. So that was just, I thought that was just a really impressive night for them. And, and I thought was also impressive. And I, we were starting to see a few more teams start to do this is make, make Aiden Mahaney a volume shooter, make him, make life more difficult on Mahaney. It really is like it's it's make him a volume shooter or it's take the ball out of his hands. Do not let him create and do something with it. And that was maybe the most – that was – he had 24 points that in that LMU game, and that was a quiet 24 points. You really didn't hear much from him late in that game. Obviously, that was because Logan Johnson uh, took over offensively for St. Mary's, but – and we and for a while it was just Cam Shelton and uh, Logan Johnson going back and forth, bucket for bucket. 
it's just incredible to kind of see how how teams are starting to adjust and how LMU really was able to utilize that. And we're starting to see a little bit more and more of how teams are strategizing for Mahaney and everything else. And so I'm going to transition to kind of like my point number two, talking about the St. Mary's offense, because we are starting to see a little bit more of that strategy. And St. Mary's in general has just not been as efficient offensively over the last few weeks. Talked about that against USF. Talked about that against BYU, against Gonzaga, against LMU. Just looking at the numbers, so the same areas is shooting about 40, just about 45, 46% from the field for the season. And in the last, what is it? In the last five games, they have shot below their season average all but one time. And that includes a 32% performance against USF, a 15, 41% performance against LMU. They have not been shooting the three nearly as well over that same stretch. Now, aside Portland aside, like they lit up Portland uh, from three the, uh, the other day, 15 for 32. But 23% against USF, 25% against Gonzaga, 31% against LMU. This team has not played as well as we're used to seeing them play. And and a lot of that, I think this has to do with uh, with going through second round of second round of conference play. Like teams are starting to adjust. Teams are starting to make changes on how you attack this offense. So, and that's where we started to see. That was where Mahaney, uh, Aiden Mahaney was really actually thriving, was early in conference play, first time around. No one had seen him. So he was able to actually almost get exactly what he wanted, get where he wanted, and it w- was working really well. And over the last few games, it's not that he's still not being fairly efficient, but it is definitely to the point of it's making it harder, make someone else other than him beat you. Remember that at one point in the Gonzaga game, he was something like one for 11 before really going off in the last, in the last like four minutes of the game. He was eight for 21 against LMU. He only took nine shots against Portland. Uh, Teams are trying to force it out of his hands a little bit more. And it does seem like that defenses are focusing a little bit more, even in that first half against USF, uh, even though he ended up having a really good game, the strategy changed. Uh, They, in the, First game against USF, they really kind of let Mahaney get what he wanted. And in the and in the second game in that first half, there was an emphasis on attacking him on the ball. Shabazz was all over him in that first half. He again, he ended up actually figuring it out in the second half. But teams are trying to figure out something you can do with this offense because you're not going to get this team rattled on defense. It is very rare, again, LMU aside, because that was a great performance by the Lions, you're not going to get this St. Mary's team to get out of its game on the defensive end. The only way you can really try to attack this team is on the offense and forcing them to make uncomfortable shots, take more uncomfortable looks. Because you really only have, like, maybe... maybe two playmakers on that offense. That's Mahaney and Logan Johnson. And Logan Johnson is a 
is not that good of an outside shooter. You're almost willing to let him take that outside shot for force him, force him to take those keep, try to keep the ball out of Mahaney's hands is the other three Bowen, uh, Bowen Dukas and Saxon. I are, are great in their roles, but they're not going to be that guy at the end of a shot clock. Who's going to take your guy off the basket and find and create for themselves. That's just not who they are. And that is something that they're going to have to obviously get better at if they're going to go deeper into the NCAA tournament and everything else, go deeper even into the WCC tournament. They're going to have to, they're going to have to be better on the offensive end if they're going to win in Spokane. Still plenty, still got a couple weeks until then. They, hell, they've got to figure, they've got to start to work better. And Portland, the game against Portland was a much better performance. So I think that was really optimistic to see how the offense looked. Uh, but they're going to need that against BYU on Saturday because this BYU is one of the better defensive teams in the conference. They're still a uh, a top thirty defense in the country, so you re- so the offense needs to be on point for them to uh, get over the hump against the Cougars in the final meeting in Moraga as WCC opponents. And speaking of BYU, we got to talk about the game in Spokane. And I thought this was a game in which Gonzaga did very well. They're late in the second half. I expected this game to be back and forth most of the game. And it was like, this was especially that second half. It was BYU got a bucket. Gonzaga got a bucket. BYU got a bucket. Gonzaga got a bucket. Spencer Johnson hits a big shot. Then you, then you get something from, from Timmy. You got, Great performance from uh, Fustro Ori. I thought he was really good in the second half. Uh, you get clutch shots from Julian Strother over and over again. Uh, you got big shots from Ashir Bolton. Like this, this was this another chapter in that in that rivalry between these two. The final WCC trip for the for BYU to uh, to Spokane. And it lived up to all that hype. But Gonzaga was able to play good enough defense down the stretch, forced BYU into a into some bad offense, and really took advantage of them in this in late in that second half. I think it was like they outscored them down the stretch twenty to ten. And that's an it's another good win. It's another game where Gonzaga looks like they're starting to play a little bit more back on track to what we're used to seeing. And just another heartbreaker for BYU. Uh, they still have yet to lose a single conference game by double digits. They they're six and seven, and and they just cannot figure out how to get over the hump in some of these games. And and for Gonzaga, I think that again, this is this was a good sign. Again, getting this game, another rivalry game. You check that off and you keep the pressure on St. Mary's because now with the loss to LMU, like they're back in the hunt for, to reclaim a regular season championship with only a few games to go. And now that they have the same loss, the game in Spokane in a couple of weeks really is going to be a make or break for who's going to be the one seed in Vegas. And I don't think it necessarily grand scheme of things is going to make a whole lot of difference 
uh, for the one seed in Vegas based on the way the rest of the conference has played. I think most everyone is so is like, it's kind of almost in the same boat that I don't think for Gonzaga or St. Mary's, it matters one or two where this matters is, is potential seeding for the NCAA tournament. That second game against Gonzaga, if St. Mary's wins another game against Gonzaga, that's going to, that's potentially going to bump them up on a, on a seed line and keep them somewhere. Um, we'll talk a little bit, going to get into that with um, Connor a little bit. And for Gonzaga, it really is like kind of restamping your your dominance on the conference, that this is your conference and that everything goes through Spokane. If they are able to win out, St. Mary's wins out, and the game on the 25th is the game, that is going to put Gonzaga potentially back into a share of the regular season title. It's almost for St. Mary's, it's almost like it's the one they let slip away because you could point to maybe they let the game against LMU slip away. And, and maybe that impacts Vegas. Maybe it doesn't, but I could pretend that could be something that almost is an added it is an added incentive item, I think, for the Zags going in. Now that they know there's a shot, they can win the regular season title still. Even, even with like we talked about, like, oh, they're not playing as well. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. And here they are once again in position to win the WCC regular season title. All right. So now we'll go ahead and get into it with um, – Connor, we'll talk some Zags and Gales, and we'll just go go ahead and uh, bring him on in. All right, we're going to bring in Connor Hope. Um, he's one of the co-hosts of the Heat Check uh, podcast. So, Connor, like, let's talk about Zags and Gales here because, like, these two teams have been up, like. We know that they're the one, two in the conference, regardless of how it ends up finishing out, whether they end up sharing the, the regular season title or not, they're going to be playing. They won't play till Monday in the WCC tournament. What, what can these two do to help their resume to stamp out? What's what sort of moving? Because it seems like right now we've seen them kind of stuck on that four or five line. And that's more or less where they've been for the last few, few weeks. Yeah. I mean, not much. Um, don't lose to anybody else in the conference, right? You know, they, they both lost to LMU. Um, Gonzaga's loss, obviously, is is going to be viewed worse than St. Mary's loss just based on the location. Um, but if, if, you, if you win the games you're supposed to, uh, you go into that final game where, I guess, the final game for St. Mary's, um, the, the second-to-last game for Gonzaga, um, the, the game between the two of them uh, in Spokane, without another blemish on your resume, you're pretty much guaranteed, I feel like, the 4-5. Uh, the only thing that might change that is if St. Mary's is still viewed as kind of a 5 seed and then they lose both subsequent games to Gonzaga, they might drop to a 6. But um, I think they're pretty much, as long as they don't get upset, I think they're pretty much guaranteed um, one of those two, uh, one of those kind of 4 through 6 spots um, on on the... Uh, uh, on the, on the bracket, um, the WCC tournament 
is conducive to that, right? They, they, they only have to win one game in Vegas to not lose to the other team, assuming the other team also wins that game. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a matter of, uh, again, just don't get upset. If you don't get upset, you go into the, that final game against each other, you go into the championship game in Vegas. I feel like six would be the lowest that either would drop, um, but, but both are pretty much guaranteed to be on that four or five line. If Gonzaga goes undefeated, could they sneak into a three line? It would take a lot, maybe. Um, but I think St. Mary's ceiling is probably a four. Gonzaga's is probably a three, and the floor for both of them is probably a six. I mean, and you talk about like winning out because honestly, like, I mean, it's looked a little bit more challenging for both teams, especially considering who you kind of like take a look at the schedule. Uh, St. Mary's really had their offense has kind of been a little on the low side the last few weeks. Gonzaga has had some close calls. Uh, Gonzaga's at LMU this week, and St. Mary's is hosting BYU. These are maybe like, I think, the two last real challenging hiccups that could either team could face it's like do you, how do you look at either of those games and like is there a chance that there's there's a potential slip up from either of them here uh i think the potential slip up is probably more gonzaga than it is saint mary's um no saint mary's and, and i said it a couple of weeks ago when gonzaga lost to saint mary's right? saint mary's is too efficient to be inefficient against and, and byu has a tendency especially on offense uh, to be inefficient. I believe they're the second to worst offense in the conference per the efficiency metrics. Um, that's not going to beat St. Mary's, right? And, and to beat St. Mary's, you have to have one of two things. You have to be either incredibly efficient or you have to be incredibly athletic, neither of which fits BYU all that well. Um, so th they're a team that's looked good against Gonzaga, Um especially from three. And I feel like that's, that's really where they um, they've made it close right They're a team that shoots like, I think 32% on the season from three, they've shot over 60%. If I remember correctly in, in the two games combined against Gonzaga, but outside of that um, their wins in WCC play are Pacific Portland, San Diego, this Pepperdine. And then they have the, they have the home win against LMU. They're not a team that I'm worried about as St. Mary's. Uh, LMU, on the other hand, has beaten both Gonzaga and St. Mary's already. Uh, um, do I think Gonzaga loses twice to the same team that's not St. Mary's? No. But Cam Shelton has put himself squarely in the mix as, you know, not player of the year, because that's going to Timmy or, or Mahaney, but uh, squarely in the mix is probably the best player or the, the best option behind those top two teams to win player of the year, simply because he and pods are around the same in terms of their, their counting stats. Um, Shelton might be a little bit less efficient, but Shelton has those two big wins. So um, LMU, I'm a little, a little bit more scared about also because Gonzaga has a tendency to play inefficient basketball for really long stretches in games. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not worried about, about BYU for St. Mary's, especially since it's a home game. So. Which of these teams, St. Mary's or Gonzaga, looking forward, looking down the road, has maybe the best shot at a a deeper run in the tournament? And for both of these teams, what if things go wrong, what's going to be their undoing once we get to March? I, I'm much more confident in St. Mary's ability to win two games than Gonzaga's. Um, so I'm much more confident in St. Mary's ability to make it to a sweet 16 than I am in Gonzaga's um, just because I feel like even 
even if you look at if you look at the projected four seeds right now, it's it's Iowa State, UConn, Marquette, and Gonzaga. Um, I don't feel like any of those four and Gonzaga wouldn't be in their region. I don't feel like any of the other three teams, if St. Mary's were a five and and those were the one of those were the four seeds, um, is really in a position where they're going to overwhelm the Gales. Um, and again, St. Mary's, one of the most efficient teams in the country, right? And and they have players who can make plays. They play really solid defense. Um, and I don't think that their efficiency fluctuates, right? So they're pretty steady Eddie, um, except for that kind of late November, early December um, run that they had where they had three losses and then they lost at home to, to Colorado State a couple mm-hmm. weeks later. Uh, for Gonzaga, I think they are, they have the players, they have the personnel to make a deeper run, right? I, I don't think St. Mary's is a Final Four contender. I don't think mm-hmm. Gonzaga is either, but I think if one of those two teams were to make that run, it would be Gonzaga. But they're primed for an earlier round upset um, because they're, you know, they, they play really well and it dips or they play really poorly in the in the at the beginning of the games and they can come back against WCC talent, but they're, they're not, you know, if, if you put them up against say they're a four seed and you put them up against a TCU or a Miami or an Indiana um, who are on the five line. Like those are teams that Gonzaga probably should beat. But if you give them a 10 point lead early in the game, I'm not sure that they are going to miss enough shots down the stretch to allow Gonzaga back in the game. So Mm -hmm. I I think Gonzaga has the better personnel. Um, You know, Hickman when he's on is really good. Strathers looked really good as of late. Obviously, we all know who Drew Timmy is. Anton Watson um, can match up with most fours uh, or fives in the country, with the exception of kind of like an Edie or a, or a Baycott, um, maybe even a Baycott, right? He, he played pretty well against Shibway, but um, I don't trust them in earlier round games as much as I trust St. Mary's to actually play the part of where they fit in the grand scheme of where they're ranked right now. So St. Mary's better shot for Sweet 16, but better shot at a Final Four, even though it's not that great. It's still Gonzaga because of the talent and everything else. And I kind of agree with that assessment. It's like that, yeah, Gonzaga has the, it's the greater upside, but they also have the greater potential for an upset earlier on. Um, So, I mean, going back to the WCC and looking at the races that are what, that are going on. We have a lot of a jumble here in the middle, like from three to three to nine, still actually well, three to eight. Uh, you have, th- you have six teams. We're all still separated by all of like three loss, three in the loss column. Santa Clara right now is in third, but it was in the last week, it's been BYU or LMU in that spot. I think even Pacific actually shared it for a hot second there a few weeks ago, which may be the bigger, biggest shocker of them all that Pacific's been in that mm-hmm. position. How do you kind of like? How are you kind of like looking at the rest of how league is going to play out? And maybe like, and we talked a little bit about it, just the impression of like how how impressive LMU has been in those wins that they've been able to pick up. Obviously, like BYU, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, but then also on the flip side, they'll lose to teams maybe they shouldn't be losing to. Yeah, I, look, I, I think it kind of plays out the way you not necessarily would expect, right? San Francisco. Um, Portland being towards the bottom in favor of LMU Pacific is not the way you saw it playing out. Um, But you've got Gonzaga and St. Mary's at the top. 
you've got the two teams with the next two best players in the league at three and four, right? Santa Clara and Loyola Marymount. If you were to take the top, if you were to take a, a the top team players in the country, you take the players off St. Mary's and Gonzaga, then you take Podzimski and you take uh, uh, Shelton. Yeah, Shelton. Um, and those would be the next two best players, right? The, the, the two players that are playing the best basketball right now um, at three and four. Pacific, Pacific is, is, is a weird one because I feel like last year, I don't want to call it an outlier, but I, I think Leonard Perry had a little bit of that. Um, he was still playing the assistant coach role a little bit. Um, wasn't really able to instill his style. Um, but they play some gritty basketball. I mean, similar to um, the Damon Stoudemire teams. Like, they just play mm-hmm. some hard-nosed basketball. Um, defensively, not so great. Um, but uh, on, on the offensive end, they, they don't turn the ball over a ton. Um, they shoot the ball well from three. It, it's kind of get your own shot. Um, and... and and look, they, they have a win over LMU. Um, they have a win over Santa Clara on the road. Uh, the rest of their, I mean, the rest of their their schedule has been pretty much what you would have expected preseason, right? They, they lost to the BYU, Portland, San Francisco, Santa Clara, um, and Gonzaga. Uh, so down the stretch, I think, is going to make or break them as a top half team. Um, they have the home games against San Francisco and Portland, which... They should be able to win, but San Francisco is a, I mean, they're a talented team that's just not performing at that level. So we'll see where that goes. Um, but they have two really tough road, road, road games. Uh, I, I almost called them losses cause I think they'll lose those games, but uh, LMU and St. Mary's right mm-hmm. in the middle of that. And um, the way it's kind of gone is they've lost in bunches. Um, and so if they start, start losing, I feel like it's going to be two or three in a row. Um, which which would put them probably around seven and nine, um, maybe eight and eight. But I, but I feel like eight and eight would be the ceiling um, for them, you know, this season. Uh, yeah, I mean the yeah. I mean Pacific is really just so interesting, and and I don't and I and I go back and I think about that the the game they had against Gonzaga because honestly, like because I was coming off the. Um, Gonzaga's lost to LMU, and I'm definitely one of those people who thinks the next. I feel sorry for the team who plays Gonzaga next after they lose a game because I feel like they usually come out like on fire and like really like ready to rip. And Pacific hung in there with them most of that game and kept it close for m- most of it. And hell, they scored 90 against the Zags, which again, like for this Pacific team, like they're not they're not world beaters on the offensive end, but I felt like that was it just showed like to your point, like how much grit that that team has. Like, I don't think they're, they are going to be many teams that run away from Pacific, even as we get uh, into the tournament. No. And, and I think for Pacific too, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to ever call three point shooting luck, especially on the offensive end, on the defensive end, there's an element to it, right? They, they're, they're fourth in the conference in three-point shooting defense behind the top three defenses in the conference, which would be St. Mary's, BYU, and LMU. On offense, Gonzaga's number two in three-point shooting at 38.6%. Pacific's number one. They're shooting the best three-point ball of any team in this conference, um, which I feel like has helped them, especially since they shoot the three ball at a 
relatively decent rate, probably slightly above average. So um, in terms of number of three point shots per game. So it's, they're shooting the three ball a lot and they're shooting the three ball well. And I think that's helped them um, considering all of their wins have been with them scoring in the eighties or nineties. So they, they, they've won really high scoring games, um, which, you know, when, when you get up against a St. Mary's or, or even an LMU, I don't know if you're going to win those games, but mm-hmm. uh, they've won some really high-scoring games, so they can they can put the ball in the basket. All right. So before before I let you go, before we get out of here, I'm gonna a- I'm gonna ask for picks on two different things. So first one is going to be uh, who amongst that um, amongst the non-top two, the rest of the conference, who has the best shot to make an appearance in that title game in Vegas, and then. Of the likely two who are going to be there, the St. Mary's and, and Gonzaga, who's going to be that auto bid? Because I feel like this is maybe the most wide open year it's been in a in a while. Um, I oh, that's a tough one. Um, so I think it's going to be it, of the, the of the non ones. I think it's Santa Clara. Um, I think Santa Clara and LMU end up tying um for third santa clara has the tiebreaker against lmu um with their their win on saturday um and uh i think that the best shot is knocking off gonzaga Uh, again i I just think the floor for for saint mary's is so high um but i think gonzaga is the more vulnerable one to losing to losing games they shouldn't um so I'm going to say that Santa Clara is probably the best shot at making the title game, which I guess means that St. Mary's is the best shot at, at winning the auto bid. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I think we're going to have to see that game in Spokane to see how Gonzaga reacts. Because remember, Gonzaga controlled that game for close to 30 minutes, mm-hmm. um, maybe even more. Uh, and then just, couldn't make shots, couldn't stop Mahaney, right? If they control the game in Spokane legitimately for, from tip to finish, uh, then you're talking about something else. Um, again, it's it's whoever plays Gonzaga, so it's either Santa Clara or LMU, whoever plays Gonzaga in that in that uh, semifinals. Um, but I feel like we could see a situation in which Gonzaga proves their I don't even want to say superiority, but proves that they have the talent and the athleticism to beat St. Mary's from tip to finish in Spokane. In which case, when you get to Vegas, you know, they now have the blueprint, right? Um, And I feel like Gonzaga, I feel like Gonzaga turns things, well, both Gonzaga and St. Mary's, but I feel like Vegas kind of turns something on in both those teams where, you know, even if they struggled with teams earlier on in the year, they kind of handle business uh, in Vegas. So we'll see. Yeah, and no one but St. Mary's and Gonzaga have won in Vegas since they've moved the tournament to the Orleans, so it'll be exciting to see. Uh, Connor, thanks for hopping on. Thanks for talking some WCC hoops with us, and uh, we'll catch up down the road. Yeah, thanks for having me. Again, I want to thank Connor for hopping on the podcast and sharing uh, his thoughts on Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and where the WCC is right now. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at HopesHoopsCBB. And I think what was really interesting 
is that he talked about the idea of St. Mary's being the safer bet to to make a Sweet 16, but that Gonzaga is the better the better bet to go deep into the tournament. And I I kind of agree with him on that. And I agree with the reasons that he gave. I think St. Mary's is a safer bet because they make fewer mistakes. They are more consistent. You know what you're going to get from St. Mary's on a night in, night out basis. And that is going to get you, that's going to give you some consistency and probably get you to weekend number two. And we've seen Gonzaga be too inconsistent throughout the course of the season for you to believe that they're going to, they're more likely to be upset early on than I think St. Mary's is. And then I also, and then to that point of if Gonzaga is consistent in any stretch and can play, especially on the defensive end, more consistently, get something more from offensively than just Drew Timmy on a night in, night out basis, which they will need in the NCAA tournament. We know Strother can perform on the bigger stages. We've seen it in the past. We know Malachi Smith has performed uh, really well on the biggest stage in the NCAA tournament. They have the talent to get deeper into the tournament. And obviously we know matchups and everything else. So we'll see all, how all that goes. But yeah, I, I largely agree with where Connor was going with that. I think that we're looking at a a St. Mary's team who is primed to reach, who is a safe bet to go back to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2010. Gonzaga, maybe the first time in, I think it's seven straight years they've reached the NCAA, the, uh, the Sweet 16. So this would, this is, probably as high a risk as Gonzaga will have been at to not make that second weekend. And also interesting to note that the, the talk about who could potentially get to that um, from the others in the WCC, who could get to that uh, championship game. That's not if who's the most likely to knock off St. Mary's or Gonzaga. And, and I, To me, it does feel like it's actually ISIL. I'm going to ride with LMU on that front. I think that they've proven, obviously, they've proven they can beat both of them. And that Gonzaga, and this is where I also agree with Connor, is that Gonzaga still does seem like the one who, if you're going to lose, if if one of the two is going to lose in Vegas, that's the team that's going to lose in Vegas. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see St. Mary's Gonzaga in the title game. No other team other than St. Mary's, Gonzaga, and BYU have even reached the championship game in Las Vegas. And the last team to do it was in 2000 at all. Um, Pre-Vegas, you had to go back all the way to 2008 when it was San Diego uh, in the title game. And, all right, so taking a look at the schedule, and there are some key matchups, and I think, like, the ones to highlight are definitely going to be uh, – BYU's week is going to be a tough, tough week. I think both their games, you really have to circle and see how, how is BYU going to come out of this. They have St. Mary's, or sorry, they start with Santa Clara on Thursday in Provo, and then they travel to Moraga to take on St. Mary's on Saturday. Both of those matchups are going to be really challenging for BYU. Uh, this Again, this BYU team is a good defensive team. It's a matter of whether or not they can get enough offense. They did 
They did lose the first matchup with Santa Clara, so this is a, a little bit of a revenge game. Last opportunity for Santa Clara to also win in Provo. So there, that's also something else to, to keep an eye on. And then for the St. Mary's game, last we saw, this was Aiden Mahaney's first national stage busting out party with his game winner uh, up in the Marriott Center. I think so. I think BYU's week is going to be really interesting. You have to, to keep an eye on LMU. They host Gonzaga on Thursday. And typically, I usually think after a loss, the Zags usually come out strong. And I'm sure that they're putting up every last bit of uh, bulletin board material to remind themselves to of everything that has come out after they lost to LMU, every last clip of what they did wrong in that game, every last clip of what LMU did right in that game. Cam Shelton, we know, is going to be the focal point of the scouting report. And it, so I think for LMU, it's going to be key for them to find someone else. Someone else has to come through uh, in those clutch moments, and it can't always be Cam Shelton, even though he has been so successful in, in those moments the last uh, month and a half. And then maybe a low-key matchup to kind of keep an eye on is Pacific and USF. This this is, I think, going to be a an opportunity for both of them because I think for USF, they need to beat Pacific. This is a must-win for them if they hope to stay out of the, the opening round. It's their only game this week. The other two are Portland and BYU. And it just, if they don't come away with this one, it adds more pressure to have to do it next week. And for Pacific, this is maybe the, with this game being in Stockton and that's also their finale being in Stockton against Portland, those two are probably the most important, the easiest to get for for the Tigers. I mean, this last four game stretch is going to be critical for them, but I could very easily see them going 0-4 in this last this last go-round. You have USF or at LMU, at St. Mary's, and then home for Portland. They can beat I think they have the capability of beating three of those four. They've already beaten LMU, but they've got to show it. And I think this is going to be a critical time for Pacific. They're six and six right now, so we'll see how that all all plays out. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and uh, TikTok at Post by Zach. Be sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel. And then also uh, be sure to like and share the podcast uh, with your friends, family, other WCC fans on your favorite streaming service. Have a good week, everybody, and I will catch you next time.